Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. You know, last week we started a new series entitled Overgrown Paths, and my whole goal with these messages is to look at some of those biblical principles that used to be so followed those old paths, those old godly principles and, 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 and ways that were so ingrained into our culture and our society that the majority of people just naturally traveled on those paths. And I want us to rediscover the value of, of some of those trails, if you will, paths, however you want to say it, that led us to success and blessings as individuals, as churches, as communities, and as a nation. I, I need to just say this. God has all sorts of promises for you that are to bless you and give you a hope and give you a future and love on you. How many know that that's true? He's got promises that are yes and amen to those that believe. It's absolutely true. But all of those promises in the Word of God also have with them conditions. And that's something that we need to remember. They're just not automatic because he's so good even when we're not, and he is good even when we're not. But there are certain things that we can do, conditions we can meet in our lives. Like, for instance, let me just give you a for instance, and, and, and this may rub somebody the wrong way, but there is no grace without repentance. God's grace is abundant. It'll never run dry, it'll never run out, but it's not available to those who don't repent. It's just the truth. It's available in the sense that they can repent and receive it. It's available to everyone, but not just automatically. And I think that's a good thing to keep in mind as we go through these. But I want us to rediscover these paths, these promises, these principles, these these things, these ways that we can, we can live our lives in order to position ourselves to receive blessing and success. And there are many paths, old paths, that have become so overgrown with weeds and debris that they are hardly recognizable. As God's people, we are the ones that must go back. We are the ones that must go back and clear the paths and call others back to those godly ways. Jeremiah 6.16 is our verse for this series. And it says, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. I mean, when you come to a crossroads in life, which I think a lot of people are at, I think this nation's at a crossroads. Amen? We got some elections coming up and they will matter. There's a crossroads here. So when you come to a crossroads, a crossroads stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. We want to do it our way, right? So often that is the case. So last week we talked about the old path of work ethic. And how many know that there's something called a biblical work ethic, that we are to be workers that produce, that do a good job, that do our best is under the Lord, amen? It's true. This week I want to talk about the godly path of practicing a Sabbath, resting, having a rest ethic. I don't know if that's a real phrase, but I made it up, so it, it is now, right? A rest ethic. I said last week that when we fulfill that desire within us to create and be productive in our work, we are just being like our dad, we're being like our heavenly father, 
And, and we should always strive to have that solid work ethic. But being like our Father also means that we are to rest. And it seems to me that there's a time, way back in the day maybe, when people had a general understanding of this. I, I remember 30 plus years ago when I first entered into the ministry, there were a lot of people in the church that would call you out for not keeping the Sabbath holy. We all know that God himself rested on the seventh day, right? And we know the Ten Commandments. The fourth says in Exodus 28, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So my father-in-law was a builder, and, and one day after church, he saw that one of his crews or subcontractors were working on the job site. And apparently the site was on his route home from church, and, and so he just stopped there. He got out of the car, and he proceeded to chew out the crew for being there on a Sunday. That was just one of his rules. You don't go to the job site and work on Sunday. Absolutely no, you don't do it. I would not have wanted to been on the receiving end of that one. And I remember conversations with other Christians about if it was right or wrong to go out to eat after service on Sunday. That was actually a conversation we used to have. Because if you do, you are condoning the business being open on Sunday and essentially making people work on the Sabbath. How dare you? I also remember thinking how impossible it would be for me to keep the Sabbath. I mean, Sunday was the busiest, hardest working day of the week for me. It has been for many, many years. We, have Sunday, we had Sunday school back then, morning service, which involved, you know, pr practice before service and, or even before Sunday school, then, then Sunday school, then we'd have, then we'd have worship, and, that, and back then worship always lasted at least an hour, and then we had, uh, uh, you know, to be there for altar times and play again sometimes, and then you'd go home, and then you'd, you'd come back on Sunday night, and, and the worship team would come early because you had to play, and a lot of times back, I remember times we had two hours of worship on Sunday night. And people just couldn't get enough. It was a busy day for me. How can I keep the Sabbath on a day like that? I mean, I, I, I crashed on Monday. So tired. I was definitely in violation of this rule. But here's the thing. I, I think many good-meaning Christians miss the true point on this Sabbath thing. At the heart of why they approached it this way, there, there is some solid truth. They just became a little misguided when, when they started living it out. And we're follow, followers of Christ. I mean, is there any followers of Christ in here this morning? Amen. We live on this side of the cross, and we are people of the new covenant. The Lord doesn't have expectations for us to live by all of the old covenant laws he expected the ancient Israelites to follow. He does, however, expect us to recognize the wisdom within these laws and be obedient to that. There's wisdom in this idea of Sabbath that was regularly practiced by believers. But somewhere along the line, the meaning and purpose of Sabbath was skewed for so many. It became a religious thing rather than a relationship thing. And how many know we serve a God of re relationship and not just a God of religion? It's so true. So, again, in an effort to reopen the old paths, let's look at the meaning and, and the purpose of keeping a Sabbath, and let's rediscover the wisdom and value of it. First of all, the scripture in Exodus, which gives the fourth commandment, I already had it up on the screen there, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, was not the first time the Israelites were told to observe a Sabbath. I don't know if you know that, but it wasn't the first time they were told to observe a Sabbath. Exodus 16, 23 Four chapters earlier, it says this, Then he said to them, 
This is what the Lord meant, as Moses, then he, Moses, said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over put aside to keep, to be kept until morning. So Moses gives the Israelites this command while they were on their way to Mount Sinai. They've crossed the Red Sea at this point. They're on the other side of the Red Sea. All of Pharaoh's armies are, under the, are at the bottom of the sea. And in chapter 16, they're, they're on their way to Mount Sinai, and, and we, we see the people, the Israelites, they start grumbling, right? Uh, uh, have you ever heard anybody grumble? Murmur, grumble, complain, whine, all of the above. They start grumbling about being led out into the wilderness, and some of them were even saying, man, we, we should have never left. At least there we had food. At least, at least there we knew where we were going. I mean, at least there it was comfortable and we, we knew what to expect. It might be making bricks with no straw, but I mean, we, we, we at least knew what we were going to get. Now we're living on faith and it's hard because we don't know what to expect. We don't know what's coming down the pike. We don't know what's going to happen to us. Having a hard time trusting God. And so they start grumbling. It'd be better off if we just died back there in Egypt. I mean, this isn't that long after they left. 400 years of bondage is working against them. And then God provides for his people. In spite of their whining, in spite of their, their, their murmuring and complaining and grumbling, he provides manna and quail. And I'm not going to get into the details about all this provision this morning, but what I will say is that there were, they were to go out every morning and harvest the manna, basically pick the bread up that, that rained from heaven, and eat it. They were supposed to take it and, and eat it for the day. That was their bread for the day. And um, they were not to save it, though, because it would go bad, and it would even get worms in it. They weren't to save it. It wouldn't last till the next day. But... Oh, and they weren't to hoard it, I said. I, I put in my notes. They weren't to hoard God's provision because God knew that it would result in a lack of faith. And I, I want to make a point there. When we hoard what God gives us and we don't give it away, we kind of do the same thing, don't we? Think about that a little bit. God's provision is great, and we're all taken care of real well. And if we're a, if we're a very blessed people, which we are, especially in America, we've said that so many times from this pulpit. We're so blessed in America. We have so much compared to the rest of the world. We ought to be the best givers in the world too. And I love that about the Assemblies of God. This is just a little side note. 95% of the Assemblies of God churches in the world are not in America. 5% in America where the Assemblies of God started has planted and built and sent people overseas, missionaries, and 95% of our churches are across seas. That's incredible. That, that means we take that seriously in the Sundays of God, right? We give, we give, we give, and we give. They weren't to save it. They weren't to hoard it. God knew it would result in a lack of faith. So every morning they went, went out to pick it up, but then God made a provision on the sixth day. They were to harvest twice as much and prepare it for the next day. On the sixth day, it was okay to take a bunch more because it was available, and God wouldn't let it spoil. They were to prepare it and then have it for the seventh day because tomorrow, he said, the seventh day is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath unto the Lord. And this was before the Ten Commandments. God made a provision in his command. They were not to pick up the manna on the seventh day. Uh, again, this command was given before the Ten Commandments. So what does the word Sabbath mean? That, that's, we, we gotta get to that. What does the word Sabbath mean? Breaking it down to its bare bones, it basically means rest. Turn to your neighbor and say rest. Rest. 
Say it as a noun to your neighbor. Now say it as a verb. Rest. There's a difference, isn't there? It's a thing. Resting is a, it's a thing, but it's also a verb in the sense of, you better rest, do it, right? So there are basically two Hebrew words that the Old Testament uses to describe rest. And this is where it gets a little tricky, a little heavy, but I'm not going to get into all the details of that. I just want you to understand what it is. So here we go. The first word that describes rest in the Hebrew language is the word Shabbat. Say Shabbat. It's fun to say. Say it again. Shabbat. Okay, Shabbat, which translated the English word is Sabbath, right? And its meaning is basically to stop working. That's what that word means. It, 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 it's the word that describes, it's a word that describes rest, but it means to stop working. It's like when you clock out for work. You know, if you're an employee at a job and you, you, uh, you clock in when you get there and then when it's time to leave, you clock out, um, you're done working when you clock out, right? That's, that's really the, 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 the epitome of that word. You've stopped working. The second word is, is even more fun to say. It's a Hebrew word to describe rest, and it's noach. Clear your throat a little bit and say noach. I might be emphasizing the a little bit, but it's kind of fun. So <laughs> noach. And it means to dwell or settle, to be quiet, to be quiet to dwell. A great example of these two words is found in Genesis, um, Genesis 2, 1 through 2. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he Shabbat, he rested from all his work. He stopped working and he rested from all of his work. That word rested is, again, the word Shabbat, it means that on the seventh day God stopped working, he rested, right? He rested, it's that simple. Then in Genesis 2.15, just a few verses later, the Lord says this, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. The Lord God placed, that word placed comes from the root word nuach, okay? (laughs) And basically means settle in or made to dwell. God made him dwell in the garden for the purpose of being with him and fellowshipping with him. Why is that important? These words are used so intricately close together. They're just, they're just, They're just used together so often, and the idea of them is just uh, uh, combined all throughout Scripture. But God, Shabbat, or rests from his creation, then dwells with Adam. He dwells. I I have to admit, and and again, I'm I'm getting into this, I I don't want to get into this too far, but when you get into these ancient words and you start digging out their true meaning, it's it's taxing. Because you find yourself looking for root words, and and you're, you're you're dividing syllables and all this kind of stuff. So... There's a lot of nuances to these words, too. But the point I want to make is this. Observing the Sabbath never meant to be just not work the job that you normally work. Observing the Sabbath doesn't mean, in and of itself, don't work. Stop working. It does mean that, but it also means a time of dwelling with God and letting him dwell with us. So rest, as it's described by the Hebrew language in the Bible, is to stop working and give enough space and time for God to dwell with you and for you to dwell with him. I think that's very significant. 
Let me say this. The Sabbath is not as much a mere commandment to follow as it is a promise we are invited to enjoy. Okay? We think of Sabbath as something we have to do a lot of times. But a Sabbath is an invitation from the Lord to dwell with you, to rest. Rest as in not working, but also rest as in letting the presence of the Lord dwell with you as you let him, as, as to restore you. How many like to feel restored? What's the first four letters in the word restore? Rest. There's something that just happens when we place ourselves in this type of rest. We don't just not work. We, we stop doing everything. We, we, we get quiet before God. We, we, don't, we don't think about anything but just being with him. That's real Sabbath. That's real rest. We recharge when we're resting like that, and we are able to do twice as much as we ever could do without that type of rest. You could say that we Shabbat in order to nuach. We stop working to allow the space in our life for God to truly dwell within us and recreate us from the inside out. We stop working, which is working our normal job, as well as busying ourselves with daily tasks. We quiet ourselves long enough to dwell with God. I took my wife out to the chicken ranch the other day. I call it that because the chicken's way better than the pizza. Can I get a amen? amen. Right, right. And we ate for about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, and time had gone by, and I, I was done eating, and I was just drinking a cup of coffee to kind of settle it all in there, you know? And I started getting antsy. Maybe you've experienced this before. I have my whole life. I'm, I'm always like that, I think. But I started getting fidgety because I, I wasn't doing anything. And just as I was about to say to Alyssa, and, and understand that God speaks to me a lot of different ways, and when I'm working on a sermon like this, he has a way of, of making his point to me. I, 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 I was just about to say to Alyssa, let's go back to the church and get back to work. And no sense sitting here, you know, come on. And... and, and I was reminded of all the stuff I'd been studying, and it was like God saying to me, why don't you just take your whole lunch hour and enjoy your wife? Take the whole time. Just enjoy her. Enjoy being with her. Talk. Dwell a little bit. Have some fellowship. Talk about something other than the church. Talk about, talk about just life. Talk about the grandkids. Just, just enjoy one another's company. Love on her. Spend time with her. There's no need to rush back to the church. And then he said, like in my heart, and by the way, this is how you are with me most of the time. You don't really pray like you should because you're so busy but thinking about everything else. You don't shut off, and if you do, you go right to sleep. I want to take and carry your burdens, but you never sit still long enough to give them to me. This is what God was telling me. You work, 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 and when you get home, you work there too. Different things, but you're still busy working. When you stop and just take, make the space and the time for me to love on you, when, when you will let me dwell with you, 
when you will rest or Sabbath so that I can recreate you, when you do that, if you'll do that, you can't imagine what I can do with your life. I'll restore you, and I'll make you do way more than you could ever have done by just working hard. Do you understand what I'm saying today? This is what God was speaking to me. And, and you know, church, many of us are guilty of this from time to time. We even get so rigid in doing our devotions or our Bible reading and prayer that we don't allow time for his dwelling presence to do what he wants to do. Well, here's, you know, September 12th, tomorrow morning, it's September 12th, and I've got my devotion out. It says September 12th. I will read it, and I will get done with it, and then I will put it down, and thank God that I did my devotions for the day. And I will read my two chapters in the Bible. <laughs> done, did it, great, awesome. I'm a super Christian. Oh, wait a minute, I got five minutes of prayer I got to put in. Done. Sometimes we do devotions like that. We just get through it. But what about sitting, waiting, dwelling, not working, not doing? Sabbath is not spending time with the family. It's not going to games on Sunday because you're with family and you're not working. It's not just not working. It's providing that space, that time to dwell with God, just you and him so he can speak to you and love on you like you need to be loved. It's time that he can restore, rest, thor you and recreate you from the inside out. When we reduce the idea of Sabbath to mean just not working, we miss the whole point of it. It's about quieting ourselves before the Lord and giving him the space to speak to us. And this idea of rest is all throughout the Bible. In the story of Noah, for instance, whose, who, whose name, by the way, uh, is derived from the Hebrew word that I already gave you, Noah. Noah's name literally means rest. And the idea of rest is interwoven throughout the story. Noah worked on the ark for many years. You can kind of see it. Then, then he rested while he was on the ark. And it says in Genesis 8, 4, then in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountain of Ararat. The word rested here is the same word, nuach. And did you notice the numbers here? In the seventh month, on the 17th day, rest happened. Hard not to connect the dots with the creation count and how God rested on the seventh day. All throughout Scripture, you see this. And I'm just scratching the surface here, church. We could do a whole series on the word rest in the Bible and the importance God has placed on practicing it. The Israelites were given instruction on, on, on how to let their land rest even, a practice that farmers even use today. I think they call that fallowing the land. They don't do it so much in Iowa. Jory told me they, they do it more in South Dakota and places like that where they give the land a rest. Some of those farmers don't even know that it's a biblical concept. But my point is that we actually work at this thing called Sabbath. See what I did there? Work at this thing called rest. We ought to. It's, it's one thing to have a great work ethic, and we can point, as we did last week, to Scripture that tells us we're to be hard workers that produce, but it's also true that many of us could stand to work on our rest ethic a bit. To take time and stop working, to quiet ourselves and settle in to God's presence, to not read, to not listen to music, to not talk, just become still and let the Lord's presence restore you. Practicing a 
Rest is to follow the Lord's example for sure. And if you can, if you can say, uh, I, can, I can function without rest, the only person you're fooling is yourself. Without rest, you will burn out. And I'm not talking about sleep or vacationing. Sabbath is more than that. It's getting yourself quiet enough and giving the space so that you can let his presence restore you. You notice I've said this a lot of times. Restore you. Giving him the space, his presence, to dwell with you. To say you don't need to be restored is plain old pride. It's arrogant to think you can go, 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 go without practicing a Sabbath. And I'm guilty of this. I've said this before. In, in jesting, but probably there was some truth in it in my own heart. I'll get enough sleep when I'm dead. Watch me work hard and get ahead. It's pride. Practicing Sabbaths, practicing rest is a forgotten thing in the church. And this is an overgrown path that we need to reopen, especially in American culture. We have forgotten how to truly truly observe Sabbath. We were created to work, but we were also created to rest. And the, spe- the specific day to me isn't all that important. I, I, I think we serve a, a God of the heart and not of the, the God of the do's and don'ts, right? So the day, I mean, you, you can trace it back and, oh, the real Sabbath's on Saturday. We should have our services on Saturday and blah, blah, and I've heard all the arguments. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I don't think the day is that important. In fact, I don't think it should be just a, since, since we're on this side of, of the cross and we're under the new covenant, I think Sabbath should be way more than one day. I think it should be all the time. We should be thinking about it all the time. We should be preparing for it. We should prepare for a Sabbath just like we prepare for work. The specific day is not that important. I like Sundays. Most of us don't have to work on Sunday and it's easy to just make the time that day. It's not just about taking a day off from your job. It's not about making sure we take vacations. It's not about spending time with family. I've said all those things already, but I'll say them again. It's more than that, church. Sabbath is about doing nothing. Sitting quietly and letting his presence, his dwelling presence, restore you. And let's face it, practicing Sabbath is is practicing for heaven. All the references within the word of God at how God will give his people rest. All of it's a precursor for the rest we're going to get to enjoy in eternity one day. You know, I, I, it's September, and I don't know if you know this, but September is, is Suicide Awareness Month. And we all know the statistics. Suicide rates are out of control. We, we know that the number of those finding themselves in mental health crises has, has seemed to skyrocket as well. And yet there has never been more awareness, probably, treatments and even medication available to help us combat it. And I believe those things work and we need more of that stuff. We need more awareness, more studies done to develop treatments and medications to deal with mental health issues like depression, like bipolar and, 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 and all these types of things. But we are also a people that has forgotten how to Sabbath. To intentionally rest. To slow down and stop and do nothing as we let the presence of God dwell within us and restore us. Letting him recreate and restore us. Remake us. 
This is an overgrown path that may hold the key for some of these cultural problems that seem to affect us, affect us all. I think the church ought to get good at resting again for that purpose. It's good for our bodies. It's imperative for our souls, our mind, will, and emotions. And letting his dwelling presence overtake us, real rest, that's what our spirit man longs for. Let me give you a scenario. Have you ever had a time in your life when your mind was being bombarded with thoughts? They were like fiery darts from the enemy. And I I won't even call them darts. Let's call them machine gun bullets because that's how it felt, right? And it's like, ah, I can't get my mind to stop. And it's like fiery darts from the enemy. And the things we think of are so crazy sometimes. I don't mean to use the word crazy. But they are a little bit. They're lies from the enemy, and they say things like, Do you, can you imagine what they're saying about you right now? Can you imagine this? Can, and they're all vain imaginations. They're not even true. And they're like, like I said, those machine guns, bullets hitting, hitting your brain, and it's like, ah, do you, do, do you know, you, you can, please understand, I'm not against medication, I'm not against counseling, I'm not against programs, I'm not against any of that, I think it's all helpful, I'm not against awareness, I'm not against, hot, against hotlines or anything like that, all of it's good, we need all that, amen? But we need to rest. Sometimes, if we will back up and just take a Sabbath and get alone with God and be be silent before him, guess what will happen? Those machine gun bullets of of vain imaginations that hit us over and over and over and literally will take us down paths we should not take, they'll begin to subside because God's voice gets very loud and clear when you get alone with him and you give him the space to speak to you. I'm just saying we need it, church. Every person in this room needs it. And I'm going to close today with Matthew 11:28 through 30 in reference to all this. Come to me, Jesus said, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am a gentle and, and I am gentle uh, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. God just wants you to stop the work, to, to just be quiet, to, 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 to do nothing before him so that he can recreate you and restore you. Well, how often am I supposed to do that? How often do you need it? You need it every day? Then do it every day. There's something about God's presence It's undeniable. It heals. It satisfies. And it's like we sang today, there's honey in the rock. I mean, you find yourself in a hard place. So many people do. I mean, I hear things sometimes. I'm like, I can't imagine what it would be like to be you right now in that hard place, in that tough situation, in that circumstance that seems like there's no way out whatsoever. It's a hard, hard place, but God says he'll provide honey. He'll provide something sweet even in the midst of that hard thing. Something sweet for you. 
And you're only going to find that, again, conditions to promises. You're only going to find that when you rest and you stop and you let him dwell within you and around you and, and, and through you, and, and you, just, you just enjoy his presence as he restores you. There's honey in the rock. Water in the stone. Provision. Manna on the ground everywhere I go. To be in his presence is to be in his absolute provision. Let's pray this morning. God, as a people, we, we hate laziness. We, we talked about that last week. We don't, we don't desire to be unproductive people that don't do anything. But Lord, we also know that sometimes we get way too full of ourselves and we act as if we don't need to be restored by your presence. God, I pray right now that if there's anyone in this room that's just pushing and pushing and pushing to the point they're just about ready to break, God, that you'd speak to their hearts and that you'd call them to that place of rest, that place of Sabbath, that place where not only they don't work, but they, they just let you dwell with them. If you're here this morning and everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, it, and that's you, you've just been pushing it way too hard, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me and I need, I need to rest. I need to Sabbath a little bit because this is nuts. Hold them up there. It's all right. I'm, I'm just looking around. There's all sorts of hands all over. You know why we do that sometimes? We do that because <laughs> I'm going to get into a whole other sermon. Sometimes we work, 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 do, 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 so we don't have to deal with the emotions that we're going to have to deal with if we'll stop and just dwell in his presence. But he'll help you. He'll heal you. You don't have to doubt that. You know? You don't have to be fearful or scared of what it's going to be like to quiet yourself long enough. If I quiet myself long enough, I'm just going to be overrun by all these emotions that I'm feeling, and I can forget about them if I just, I can cover them up if I just go, 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 go. I get that. But God, man, he, he, he is, you can trust him. He will walk you through that, and then on the backside, you're going to have healing from it. If you raise your hand this morning, this message is for you. It really is. Remember the Sabbath and all that Sabbath means and keep it holy. We love you, God. We all know that there's times when we need to rest. God, I pray that you would help us recognize those times, that you would help us to Make the space. We turn off our phones. Heaven forbid we go into the prayer closet without our phone on us. Lord, I pray that you would move in your people like never before in this area, that we would be hard, productive workers, but we would work as hard at resting as we do at working. Lord, that we would be a balanced people that we would example this for the world that's going crazy. And this could be part of the issue. 
We're designed for rest. We need to be restored on a regular basis. God, help us example this to those around us. Help us encourage one another in our rest, in our Sabbaths. And Lord, we just give you glory for what you're going to do through us because, because we're giving you that space. We love you. We praise you. And God, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.